1: Denniston, Welcome back to the latest episode of the Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. Well, my friends, if you own a private practice or you hope to own one one day, I'm guessing that you've heard all about the equity that you can build. After all, it's another asset, right? And we all know it can be worth a ton of money with the sweat and blood and tears that you put into it. But the question is, how can you gain The most out of this asset. Now, if you've been grappling with these kind of questions, or maybe you're just curious about them, maybe you're not in private practice, but you'd like to be, you are going to love our next guest. He has an expertise in evaluation. As a matter of fact, I first heard him on the Dentalpreneur podcast and he was talking about some of the common mistakes that dentists make with valuations. And I was just uh, actually working out, and I was nodding my head. I was like, yeah, exactly. And it was such good stuff. I just wanted to make sure to invite him here today. So I know we're going to learn a lot. Please help me welcome Jake Conway. Welcome, Jake.
0: Hey, David. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it.
1: Hey, glad to have you here. Well, let's let's get going, man. Let's tell me a bit about your journey. Tell us about where'd you start. How'd you get going in uh, this area and, and working with Dennis?
0: Sure. Yeah. So uh, I actually went to the school of hard knocks. Um, I started my career uh, in the financial, I guess, realm back in two thousand seven. It was uh, with Shell Vacations Hospitality. Um, I was in charge of operations and finance for the Southwest region. So that's kind of where I got my feet with, um, you know, analyzation, looking at numbers, profitability, um, that sort of thing uh, in, in the business world. Um, I realized it after a short time that uh, corporate life was not for me, uh, like many of us out there. And uh, I uh, started my own journey in what I knew, which was, you know, numbers and uh, finance, business, that that, uh, that sort of thing. Um, we were talking earlier, David, and, you know, um, I met uh, Dr. Mark Costas, which uh, some of our listeners may be, may be familiar with that name out there, um, through uh, a mutual friend of ours, and, you know, we, we actually sketched out um, this, uh, this consulting firm that he has built, the Dental Success Institute, on a bar napkin over some cocktails, so it's that cliche, you know, um, uh, the, the thought was formed on a bar napkin over, over, uh, over a few drinks. <laughs> so um awesome. that's that's kind of how you know and he you know he was he was uh during, during that uh that that conversation that we had he was explaining his his frustrations with um you know not being able, being able to see uh the numbers profitability expenses overhead that sort of thing at a at a glance um with his you know with with his then clientele, and you know me being my coming from my background and knowing what i knew um of course I offered a solution and um You know, within 10 minutes, we had uh, somewhat of a product built. And uh, like I said, uh, that was four years ago, five years ago, going on five years uh, now. So uh, it just kind of grew and evolved uh, since then. And, uh, you know, now it's over uh, 75 clientele around the world that we're working with. And we see hundreds and hundreds of of, uh, uh, dental practices from, you know, analyzation standpoint to uh, evaluations and and so forth. So um, that's kind of... um, in a nutshell, how this whole thing uh, was conjured, and how uh, my, um, I guess, transition into the dental uh, uh, dental world kind of, uh, I guess, happened.
1: Well, it's it's interesting because I know um, one of the things that I really just find fascinating about Mark is is how he acquires multiple practices, which I think a lot of physicians could could learn from this model. He has this whole idea of implementing systems and making everything work on, on a system? And it sounds like you guys have developed this, this whole valuation. Is, is systems kind of been something important to you kind of in this journey? And, and what's that, that been like?
0: Absolutely. So systems are the backbone of of, the, of any business, really, especially in a dental practice with all the moving parts um, that go into running the business. Um, you know, with multiple practice ownership, it's we, we've kind of realized that central management is kind of the key. So you know those of you' listening out there, um, you know if you have two, three, four, five plus practices, you either you either have it in place already, which you know the centralized uh, uh, management, which is you know your billing, uh, your you know centralized call center, that sort of thing, or you don't, and you probably should should start to try to get that um, in place. Not only is it from an operations standpoint um, essential, but uh, when you go to sell, you know these these uh, if, if that's in in your future to, to you know to sell these either to private equity or um, you know other other potential uh, dentist uh, owning dentist groups or so forth um, that is very attractive on paper when you have everything centralized and everything is all the same so uh, that's a big big portion of what uh, we try to accomplish and what we what we help others do um, is set up that um, those systems and operations so that uh, they're transferable to um, every, every practice that you acquire and it's all turnkey. So that's – yeah, yeah that, that's a very good point, David. That, that's exactly what we shoot for.
1: Well, I, I think it's so cool just, just seeing how, how that works. And I even think related to, to my practice here, I think um, – I believe you guys kind of came up with, with like a system of lights, right, green, yellow, red in terms of measuring, hey, here's this area versus this area versus this area in those systems?
0: Right. So we uh, not only systems, but we look at overhead and profitability and that sort of thing on a month-to-month um, you know, basis for all of our clients. And it's, it's exactly what you said. It's, it's red is bad, black is good. So at a glance, you can see exactly how your, your demo practice is performing um, from a number standpoint. And then the systems and operations kind of go hand in hand. If you're struggling in that area, it's gonna you know numbers never lie you know the whole thing. So um, if you're overhead and and your your uh, numbers are a little out of out of whack, that's where we start. We look at your your systems and operations to see how tight those truly are, um, and then we you know focus on on growth. So you know once we get those systems tightened up, um, look at overhead. Where can we where can we cut corners and cut costs a little? Um, that's that's kind of the first step in in uh, what we do when we're looking at uh, a new practice. And then obviously after that, um, once we have those fine tuned, then you look at uh, growth and areas to to increase production and obviously um, uh, move the needle on that bottom line.
1: Well, you know what, what's interesting to me is, as I think about Dennis and I think about doctors, is dentists have been on this path where marketing has been extremely important. You know, it's kind of the lifeblood of the business. Whereas physicians, at least in the past they get so many referrals, they have so much business, they, they can't handle it, quite frankly. And they're overwhelmed with EMRs and all the paperwork and stuff that comes a- along with that. Uh, between you and Mark talking, are you guys kind of, as you're hearing from people that are are not in the dental field, are you guys hearing that, seeing that? Uh, is any of that shifting at all? You know, what, What's kind of your, your take on that?
0: Well, I mean, with, you know, with, with, other physicians um, in, the, in the medical field you know that's all driven by insurance um, and that's, that's, it's hugely affected the, the private the private practice in the medical field then if feels a little different yeah we there is insurance but there's still fee for service out there um, it's not huge i mean there's a huge sect that is insurance driven but uh, there, there's still some some organic Marketing to do, whereas you know in the medical field you get get a bunch of referrals from insurance and there you go. It's basically the insurance floods your your front door. Um, but in dentistry, there's a, there's an area of opportunity uh, in the you know fee for service and uh, referral uh, base for marketing and advertising. And that's kind of um, like like I was saying, you know, once once you have established your overhead at a, at a healthy uh, percentage. Your systems are in place, and so forth. Then we look at ways to market within your area. Um, but to answer answer your question in short, David, I think that because of the insurance influence in in the in the two different uh, uh, realms here, it's um, I think that's kind of a driving force, you know, behind if if marketing and advertising is needed versus versus not needed. So um, that's right. kind of that's my take on it anyway.
1: Well, my, my my take on it, just kind of going back, is I think doctors in many ways actually could model dentists better because there's so many physicians today that are just burned out. And they're just like, I can't keep up the pace that uh, they're working because many of them putting 60 hours plus and just seeing patients, not even adding on some of the charting. So for me, I, I think what's valuable about this conversation is what can we take from this that can be modeled. So taking from dentists and and successful practitioners like Dr. Costas that could be modeled for for docs. Because I think going back more towards membership fees or or fee for service rather than insurance um, and having to use marketing systems and some of these things could be in, in the future for someone that wants to have a highly profitable practice. So that being said, I would just love to hear from you about some of the, these cash flow chokes. So you have this, this system, this grid that, that helps to identify, hey, this is going awesome, this sucks in terms of cash flow. W- what are some of the common chokes that you see often in these private dental practices?
0: Uh, good question. So, I mean, the biggest uh, expense in, in most businesses is going to be payroll, but we don't really focus there. We focus on the low-hanging fruit to start, which is going to be your dental supplies. So that could be that could be transferable to uh, the private practitioner and the medical field. Um, you know, your supplies, uh, lab fees. Um, that's that's another big one. And all it comes down to your vendors and and um, you know negotiating with them to to drive cost down because the profit margin is so high on all of these supplies. You know, with the the big guys, at Pattersons, the Shines. You know, those the licks of, oh, likes of those uh, those businesses out there, those big suppliers, you know, and, and that's kind of where we start is that low-hanging fruit, even office supplies. You know, if if we see that, you know, you're running high or too high in office supplies, I mean, change change the way you think about that and start set, establishing a budget. And, again, just focus on those low-hanging fruit items first. And, again, we see it time and time again, supplies, lab fees, office supplies, even facility equipment we, we can take a look at. Um, you know, once we once we start to to uh, shave those down and start negotiating, get overhead down to um, under 60%, which overhead uh, for those of you who are not aware, overhead uh, how we cat- or how we term the phrase is um, all expenses excluding doctor salaries and associates out there. So all your uh, payroll, all of your operating expenses, so forth, that should be running 60% or lower. Uh, 60% being the absolute absolute ceiling. Um, so once we, once we can get your, your practice to to that mark or under that mark, then we start looking at ways to drive production and one of that, um, one of those uh, um, tactics that we try to try to use is using some of those savings that we did you know that we had in the dental supply category lab fees, then we try to start to share that with the staff to motivate them to produce for you. So we have a couple of different uh, staff incentive programs out there that's kind of a form of profit sharing. so once we get your overhead down, then we can start sharing that, those, uh, those savings with with the staff to increase production along with marketing strategies and so forth that are designed um, for your area, you know, using demographics and so forth. Because, you know, uh, marketing that would that we would do here in Prescott is going to be much different from, from you in Minnesota, David. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the approach that, that we take um, when we're looking at uh, ways to, to uh, increase profitability using the existing staff um, and watching cash flow on, on a month-to-month base, uh, month-to-month basis.
1: Well I'm interested to recapture that Jake real quick it sounds like negotiation right that a lot of times you know you go to a store right you go to buy a gallon of milk or whatever and you go to the checkout counter we well, can't negotiate that right
0: you can talk right. to the clerk or <laughs> well, Mexico I don't know <laughs>
1: <laughs> maybe, right? And and in comparison, when it comes to this these other stuff, a lot of these business expenses, I think what a lot of people don't realize, which is such a good point, is you can negotiate this stuff, up to a certain point, obviously. Um, are there any just kind of hacks or shortcuts that you guys have used? Like, do you ever look for uh, rather than going direct through Shine or Patterson or, or any of those companies, do you ever look outside the box, like on eBay or Amazon or something like that? Or are just the quality and safety from being shipped from China or wherever else just is never good enough? Um, give me some feedback on that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good question. So we actually have um, a couple of not-so-big-name vendors out there that we like to deal with. Um, Darby, I'm sure. Well, some, of, some of you probably heard of Darby. Um, Unified Smiles, and there's a couple of online like Net32 um, and um, AmTouch, which are a couple of online suppliers. And we found that you don't have to uh, give up the quality just, you know, uh, for for a negotiated fee, a negotiated rate. So what we do is we take, we have our, you know, the front desk staff pull your um, your pricing sheet from your current vendors. Then you take that to, like I said, a Darby or a Unified Smile, one of the, one of these smaller guys, I guess, right? Print, uh, in quotations, and um, you then, you know, give them that that list and see what they can do for you. And they'll they'll cut and slash and and you know, basically drive every item line down, even down to like gloves, you know, if you're paying ten bucks or whatever, you know, they'll drop that to seven dollars or whatever the case may be. So. After you have that, then you take that back to your, your Patterson or your Shina if you're really happy with your vendor um, and in your rep. And you say, hey, look, I'm being approached by another uh, outfit out there that they can cut supplies by X amount of percentage. What can you do for me? And nine times out of ten, they'll either match or beat that price. And what we do, we do about two or three rounds of that to get it down as much as you possibly can. Um you know, once you have the, the quote from uh, Patterson, go back to Darby or Unified or whoever you're using and say, look, they, they can either match it or beat it. Do the same thing, you know, a couple times. And before you know it, your dental supplies are at under 5% for the month, which that's the that's the target for uh, dental supplies you like to see. Um, 5% of revenue should be, uh, 5% or less really should be going to dental supplies. So that's that's kind of how we drive that uh, that cost down. And same, same thing goes for lab fees. You know, even if you're under 9%, which is what we like to see that at, even if you're under 9%, still shop around, and you know, if you can save a, a few percentage points on 000, 000 practice, you know, that's a million-dollar practice, that's $20,000, a, know, twenty, 000, thirty thousand dollars in your pocket over the course of 12 months. So, um, like I said, just because you're under in an area doesn't mean you can't negotiate still.
1: Well, here's something I was wondering about related to, to overhead, as, as I've listened to some of the great podcasts you guys have, is how does, you know, let's say you have a young physician or a young dentist, and they want to get into a practice. They might have a ton of medical school or dental school debt. And uh, of course, they don't have a lot of cash in many cases to put down, right? So they have to go and borrow money from several different kinds of companies or friends and family or whatever in order to finance the purchase. How does debt and interest, because I normally think of earnings, right? Earnings can be before interest, tax, and depreciation, and those kinds of things. EBITDA. How does that mm-hmm. that interest and debt cash flow piece play into this thirty, 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 and ten model?
0: Right. So we we go all of off of off of gross. We we don't look at any any you know um, after after taxes. So we look at everything before. So the true EBITDA number. Um, so if, when you look at overhead, uh, we look at uh, you know, like I mentioned before, sixty percent is the absolute ceiling, which is again all your payroll uh, fees, um, you know, hygiene salaries, staff salaries, payroll taxes, fringe benefits, so forth. Um, that should be running at thirty percent. So that that's the first piece of that sixty percent. So thirty um, percent or lower should be allocated to to payroll, um, all the all the uh, fees associated with that. Um, the next thirty would be operating expenses, which is your your uh, fixed and variable costs. Um, you know, uh, facility equipment, uh, like like we talked about earlier, dental dental supplies, lab fees, advertising, marketing, um, other expenses, telephone, you know, um, basically all other operating costs within your facility should be running at 30% or lower. Um, And then uh, we like to see a 10% profit margin. So after you've paid, uh, so you have your 30% going to payroll, 30% going to operating, then there's 30% left over for uh, doctor salaries, Including associate pay, and then we have 10% left over profit back to the to the business. Now, that's a gray area because again, you can you can leave the uh, leave that 10% back in the business or take it as the owner in, in the form of earnings, um, and then obviously taxes will be uh, um, incurred after that. So that's kind of our model. That's kind of how we look at practices the 30 30 30 10 rule, um, and that's how we. Um, build our reporting and uh, report back accordingly uh, on a month-to-month basis with our clients. So that, does that answer your, your question, David? No,
1: no, actually. Um, so let's revisit that. So no. my question was: so if normally that's EBITDA, right? So that's before interest, which is where you you borrowed yes. to buy a practice. How does that that money that you borrowed from the practice fit in to this, oh, gotcha. this model? Because yeah. you know you might that- you might have. Three thousand, or four thousand, or five thousand, or six thousand dollars a month payments that, yes. that you you got to pay for having acquired a practice,
0: right? And that so that that's that would be considered a uh, you know an, an owner's loan. So that would actually be allocated to to doctor's salary. So that would be in the form of a distribution um, and so forth. Because if the if the practice were to sell tomorrow, the earnings would then go to the owning doctor. So that's kind of how we handle um, uh, that. So essentially,
1: we want to look at it. You know, if someone wants to follow this model, which I think is a great one, that you have to right. take a reduced salary in order to finance an acquisition if you're going to buy uh, a practice.
0: D- depending on the profitability of the practice, if I mean, if your overheads running at you know 45%, then you, you you have there's room for you know that loan payment as well as taking a, a healthy salary on you know, 30% of your your um, your production as an owning doctor, and then whatever's left over in the business. Um, as as a form of salary and, and slash distribution. So, answer that in short. Yeah, I mean, all depends on the health of the business. But if you're running tight, then yes, um, we we would that would be considered um, like I said a distribution. So, if if that's the case, and you may need may need to take a little bit less of a salary, but you're gaining equi- equity in your business by paying off that loan. So it's kind of a win-win.
1: Yeah, yeah, totally, totally, totally. Now, I'd love to know. As we look at and this is true of dentists as well as doctors, I see more and more dentists that are that are salaried employees. Um, I'd love to know from your vantage point, what do you see as this trade-off between working for someone versus working for yourself financially as we as we start to move now into valuations in our conversation?
0: right well we we just we talked about it briefly just a second ago, which is equity. Um, you know equity is king, especially when you're when you're looking at the long term play um as far as uh, you know investments and that sort of thing. I mean, we all have our 401ks and Ross, IRA, that sort of thing. IRAs, traditional, um, but um, equity in, in in a business is is really king. When you go to sell that off, there's there's many many tax advantages, as you know, David. There, there's just so many leverage points in owning um, true equity, whether it's real estate or um, you know a, a clinician or a clinical practice, that sort of thing. Um, you know, so moving forward. A salaried employee, there's there's not much. I mean, yeah, you're guaranteed a salary, that sort of thing, and you have your 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 clientele base there. You're not responsible for the advertising, the headache of running the business, um, all that. However, you have no equity in the business, um, and there's no real end game um, unless you just want to be an associate uh, for the for your career, which is that that's okay if that's what you want to do. But again, there's, there's just the long term play isn't there. Um, it just with traditional. Um, uh, investing just doesn't cut it, really, in any way. My opinion, it's it's a good supplemental um, way of of uh, you know, an, an investment, but uh, I think that if uh, if you have a chance to own equity in a business, I think that's the way to go. Um, but comes along with that is like like I said, with the the uh, headache of earning the business, you're responsible for your employees, their their way of life, you know, paying the bills. So um with with the you know, with the uh, the reward of, of, of having that equity there does come some responsibility and headache, but I, in the end it's all worth it.
1: Well I I think it's an important point. I mean if if the the practice is ran in a healthy way, hopefully you're doing the same thing that employees are doing as well, right? You're maxing out your four oh one K, maybe doing some yes. matching and profit sharing out of the company and then on top of that, you're building the equity. It's it's the rent versus own argument. Um, Absolutely. I, I still tend to look at, hey, you have an asset that could be sold if it's if it's healthy. If it's not healthy, you might have a problem, <laughs> right? Right. So, well,
0: then you do some, you need to get, do some work and get that get it get it profitable again.
1: Absolutely. Well, I would love to know. Now, let's, let's focus on valuations for a little bit. So, tell us a little bit, Jake. You know, what are some of the, the common mistakes that you see in valuation that dentists or, or doctors are making today?
0: Yeah, you know, actually, the, we see this time and time again. just not getting enough information. You know, these these brokers out there. Not, I'm not going to talk. You know, any uh, ill about them, but they they have hundreds of these, and they throw together. Um, you know, evaluation valuation packet um, and a pro forma, and they say, okay, here's here's evaluation of the business, um, take it or leave it, and negotiations start. We just find that's just not enough out there anymore. Um, as if, if you're either looking to acquire a new practice or you're fresh out of dental school and you want to start your, your um, ownership uh, journey uh, in, in the dental field, um, we like to, to, like I said, dig a little deeper. Um, and that's, that's just a matter of asking questions and just knowing what you're looking for. Um, if you if you want, David, I have a list here of how we what we look at, um, sure, and what we try to what try to pull from from either the accountants or the uh, broker directly or from the owning owning de- dentist himself or herself. So um, if you'd like, I could run through this real quick. Yeah, man, do it. Go for it. Cool. All right, so. We have uh, three uh, areas that we look at, which are uh, the logistics of the practice, the clinical stats, and then obviously the accounting information. So on the on the logistics side, look at the number of ops, the staff experience, um, the number of staff members and the compensation, the hygiene department, their compensation, uh, number of associates and their compensation plan. Um, Look at you know the, what what their marketing structure is like. Do they have a website? Are they doing internal external marketing? Um, and a current equipment list. Um, so that kind of uh, that's kind of what we look at from the logistics part. Uh, from the clinical stats, um, look at active patient base. Um, we know how many how many current uh, active uh, patients they have in the past 24 months. Active hygiene patients. Now this is a this is kind of a outside the box way of thinking, I guess. Um, not not many. Uh, uh, Valuations uh, are, are look at this stat, but we look at active hygiene uh, patients versus active patient base um, and we we compare those two. So um, mm. what you do is you divide your hygiene patient total active patient base divided by the total active patient base, you'll get some sort of percentage. That should be at least eighty five percent or higher. If it isn't, there's a huge opportunity for the for the practice, but it's it's a negotiation tactic for you. When you're establishing the true evaluation of the practice itself, and we see nine times out of ten that's below seventy, seventy, you know, sixty-five percent. So typically, that's that's a pretty big leverage point. Um, and but also, if you were to acquire the practice, it's a huge opportunity to flood the practice with new patients, reactivation programs, that sort of thing, uh, to get some hygiene checks in the door. Um, we we'll look at new patients for the current year, um, production and collection for the prior and current year. Uh, we also look at the prior three uh, years collection because that's how the valuation is actually established. Um, I, I'm pretty sure you all have, all have heard. It's the average of the past three years collection. Um, and then either between 75 and 90% of that is going to be the, the valuation. That's kind of um, how they do it. It's, it's kind of a, a simplified version, but this is why we do our homework because if they're evaluating, evaluating the practice at 85% of that number when it really should be 70 these are areas that you can look at to, to plead your case and you know, um, use, have some leverage in negotiating the price of the practice um, for acquisition. Um, we look at the... Uh,
1: Let me just interrupt you there for a second. So, so we're throwing out all kinds of names and numbers and, and stuff uh, for people to look at. Um, sure. I, I'd love to hear just kind of a story real quick. You know, what's, what, what, when's the time that, that one of these things just um, didn't go well for someone that they they were looking at some of these stats, and it, the stat wasn 't the way it it actually appeared to be you know when they went to to make the acquisition. can you tell us about a time like that
0: yeah, so actually it 's a pretty big one. Um, we were working with a client uh, down in Phoenix here that uh, was looking to sell uh, as opposed to buy, and we were helping helping him you know look at uh, the true valuation of the practice. And when we were looking at the P&L and and the collection in the software, they they weren't matching up. Now, in a a PPO or insurance-driven practice, it's not going to be exact, but over the course of six months, we were looking at about a $70,000 difference between what was on the P&L that actually hit the books and what was actually in the collection uh, in the software. The software was heavy, so we we really could not figure out – what was going on why there was such a big disparity in what the software showed and what the pnl showed we'll have to dig around a little bit. we this this isn't typical but we actually found that um one of these staff members was embezzling money <laughs> so yeah it was a huge huge i mean we're talking years of this it was a huge huge issue i mean the, the the employee was like family to them it was a big big debacle it, it was just a huge hit to them um very, very, very disconcerting. But um, the you know, just going by the software collection, they could have, you know, they could have sold that for um more than what was actually hitting the books um on paper. So it's kind of you know, from from a from a buyer's standpoint, you need to be weary of of um you know those nuances and that's why you gotta dig a little deeper and look at um the true health of the business from from a number standpoint. So what about the other store
1: Maybe something something that came out great. Um, you were talking about some of these ways to look at at the health to do a reactivation campaign or, or something like that. Can you think of another story the opposite way where evaluation uh, was a positive um, surprise? You know, in terms of of it went better than expected.
0: Um. Well, there. So there there was a uh, another gentleman out in the uh, Midwest that was looking at a conglomerate of actually of actually three. Um, practices and they were going to sell them all at once. Um, looking on paper, they, they seemed okay. Um, you know, they, they were they were were farming out a lot of their uh, their uh, uh, endo and their oral surgery, and so because so there's opportunity there to keep everything in house. But we what we didn't realize is that uh, they they did hygiene procedures, but it was all dentists. There was no hygiene department. So. Hmm. It was kind of after the fact that, that we realized that there was no hygiene department itself. Um, we saw hygiene codes on the books, but again, that the dentists were doing that themselves so um, after the after the acquisition, we found that uh, you know again, there was no hygiene, so we immediately put hygiene departments in all three, and we actually saw about a twenty five percent increase within the first six months of ownership. so um, it's kind of a, it kind of goes against what I'm saying as far as you know doing your homework, but we looked at the numbers and we saw hygiene codes. Again, we we, we just assumed, kind of a mistake on our part. But to come to find out, there was no hygiene department. We imp- implemented a hygiene department, and boom, there was immediately instant um, um, uh, increase in production just from having a hygiene department. So I guess the moral of the story there is: make sure you do your homework and make sure you uh, you uh, dig a little a little deeper than than you normally would. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's kind of the, the opposite spin on, on uh, practice acquisition from my, from my experience anyway.
1: Wow. Well, I think there's some really good stuff there, and I want to make sure to honor your time and, and start to wrap this up. I'd love to know, Jake, you know, what do you think would be some great places? Because I hear all the time that um, I haven't gotten a business education in medical school or in dental school. Uh, what do you think would be some great places to get that education, whether it's books or podcasts or events or or anything like that?
0: Um, well, you can listen to Dentalpreneur, Mark Costas. Um, that always a good one uh, for for the for the dental uh, dental practice owner out there. Um, I listen to a lot of like Smart Money podcasts is another good one. Um, uh, let's see. I think. From my experience, the best thing to do is just d- delve into the numbers yourself. Um, if you own a business, start diving in your own numbers and learn the ins and outs within your business, and and learn some areas areas of opportunity that are in your practice you may not know even exist. Whether that's in the hygiene, uh, marketing, um, you know, uh, like like we talked about sh- uh, shaving dental supplies. I think the best way to learn is just by doing it. So if you if you have a business or have a practice out there, I'd say. Yeah, listen to, listen to some of those podcasts mentioned, but I, just getting to your own numbers, I think, is, is the best teacher. And sometimes learning what not to do is, is the best thing. So that would be, be my advice.
1: <laughs> I think that's great. Um, what about um, just kind of closing thoughts? As we talk sure. to the, the doctors and dentists that are, are listening out there, uh, what closing thoughts do you think that folks should be aware of in regards to running their practice, in regards to valuation and stuff like that?
0: I'd say... Um, you know profit profit is great, but uh you need to start reverse engineering from your from your uh, overhead so I, w- I would first establish a break even point look like I said, get into your numbers, see where your break even point is, and then from there you can establish you know what the what above and beyond that number is and what what you know what kind of um proper percentage you're actually looking at um so to, to get that number, you have to again dive into your numbers and understand um, where your where your break even point is within your practice. Because anything beyond that is going to be um, either money in your pocket or um, a higher valuation for the practice when you actually go to sell it. Or if you bring on a partner, if you're if you're going to sell off, you know, do the Cain Waters method where you sell off a certain portion to um, a partner or associate that came on, um, it's a higher valuation, um, and you're gonna you're gonna make a bigger uh, you know chunk of change when you go to either sell or um, you know bring it on a partnership or however you're going to structure that so that'd be that's kind of how i would uh, approach um, um, setting yourself up for a uh, a nice evaluation
1: uh, great advice great advice well thank you so much for being with us Jake and if people have more questions how can they follow you how can they get in contact with you
0: sure Matt so uh if, if you have any questions on this uh, you can just shoot me an email at jake at truedentalsuccess.com. dot com that's jake j a k e at true dot com um and you can follow the Dentalpreneur podcast. I'm I'm a frequent guest on there, and Mark Costas, that, that's kind of his thing. Um, I'm on there, so uh, that's kind of uh, how you can get in touch with me. I'd be happy to answer any questions, or uh, just uh, if you feel like reaching out, uh, go ahead, to, just uh, drop me a line, and we'll 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 get on the, we'll get on the phone or whatever the case may be. So yeah.
1: All right, man. Well, sweet deal. Well, thank you again so much for being with us. And my friends out there, if you're a physician or you're someone else servicing doctors, you want to tell your story, you're, you're grappling with stuff like this, I would love to share it in the next Freedom Formula for Physicians podcast. So make sure to contact me at dave at drfreedompodcast.com or on my website, www.doctor freedompodcast.com. For the Freedom Formula Four Physicians podcast, this is Dave Denniston. Thank you so much for joining us. Please make sure to subscribe on iTunes. Check in again soon. And remember, my friends, make sure to cut your debt, cut your taxes, so you too can live a liberated lifestyle. See you next time.